Well, it certainly sounded like I was on. <laughs> now I've got to talk quieter, it sounds like. Man. So we are uh, taking a look at Ruth chapter 4 this morning, uh, just by way of review. And as you see from the Advent wreath, each one of the candles having a, a representation uh, as the Proudies uh, talked about joy today in the final uh, the four candles as we approach Christmas Eve, which will light the center Christ candle uh, as we remember Christ's coming. And, but we've talked about hope being restored. We've talked about peace being found. Uh, last week, we talked about love being shown. And today, we are going to see joy realized uh, as we take a look at our text this morning. And so uh, let's begin by reading uh, and together verses 1 through 6. Or I should say, you're going to follow along as I read to you verses 1 to 6 this morning. It says, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling a parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Verse 5, then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So here in these opening verses of chapter 4, uh, we see Boaz, uh, as he has, uh, in, at the end of chapter 3, made it very clear that he is willing to redeem Ruth. Uh, but he is going through the right channels. Uh, he, we find him uh, at the gate of the city, uh, waiting for uh, the closer redeemer to come uh, and to present the, the whole matter to him, but also in, in the presence of the elders of the city. Uh, and you'll notice there that he says, behold the Redeemer. Uh, and, you know, it, it's interesting, again, um, I told you I don't believe in co- uh, coincidence, uh, that I think is the providential hand of God bringing uh, this closer Redeemer at the, the gate of the city on that particular time frame when Boaz would be there. Uh, that there were elders of the city that they could all gather together. And so we see God providentially working through these circumstances once again. But you'll notice as we read the beginning of chapter 4, and and you have to realize that this is a relative, and he calls him friend. Uh, And it's interesting because the word translated friend actually can mean so-and-so. So Boaz is not even, you know, speaking his name. Uh, He's saying, you know, hey, so-and-so. Uh, I've got something I need to talk to you about. Now, I don't know how your family is, um, but I, I can honestly say even in some of the strained relationships that I may have with family members, I never call them so-and-so. 
Uh, and Boaz is here, you know, it, it's, it's used elsewhere in the Old Testament as, you know, if you would ever see the phrase such and such a place. Uh, and so it, this is kind of a, a strange greeting uh, for a family member, someone that he is going to, you know, present this uh, option to redeem uh, uh, this, well, as we know, uh, Ruth really is the center of all of this. Uh, and she does come with property, and, and you'll notice that he brings up that first. And you know from our, our time together speaking to what the kinsman redeemer can do, uh, that part of that is to be able to redeem property, to keep it within the family. Uh, and, you know, as the text says, you know, this is, it belonged to our relative Elimelech. Uh, and so Boaz is, is putting this forth uh, to keep the property within the family. And in verse 4, he says, if you redeem it, redeem it. So Boaz is, is saying that, you know what, you have the right. Uh, and as we know from the previous chapter, he wanted to make sure that this closer relative had the right to say yes or no. Uh, but you'll know he, he, he actually left out a, a very important piece of the, the puzzle uh, for this person who is so-and-so in the family. Uh, he says, if you will not tell me that I may know for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he says, I will redeem it. Now we know that Boaz is willing to redeem it because, uh, as we saw in the, the previous chapter, the love that was shown between Boaz and Ruth is that he wants to redeem Ruth. Um, and you remember, he's already a man of influence, so one more piece of property isn't going to make or break Boaz, uh, even if it is kept within the family. Uh, he is preparing, you know, in his own mind and as he will continue here, uh, because there is a very quick yes, uh, because this relative is, oh, yeah, I'm all about redeeming this piece of property when he thought that was all there was. Um, and, and so Boaz goes on to clarify this whole transaction. Uh, and in redeeming the land from Naomi, you have to understand it's because you notice he, he framed it so that it's Naomi's land that he's redeeming. Well, we know that Naomi is, you know, later on in years. She is a widow, and as she encouraged her uh, daughter-in-laws, you know, I cannot, you know, bear a son, you know, in my old age, you know, and even if I were, would you stick around? Uh, so the whole idea of redeeming this pro property, uh, there was no marital obligation to marry uh, um, Naomi at this point. Uh, and so it was a very quick yes, because he believed that all he was doing was a you know, redeeming a piece of property, something that would just add to um, his family's wealth, but give him something that he could actually, you know, use uh, to uh, harvest off of. But Boaz, you know, as it were, uh, gives the, the last detail uh, that's here. And he says that he would also be buying uh, or redeeming uh, this property from Ruth the Moabite. Uh, because she has a right to it as well, because she uh, had married um, Malon, uh, the, the son of Elimelech. And so she has a right to it as well. And because she uh, has this property that has its stem in Naomi, who is the widow and the wife of Elimelech, um, she, he would have to continue the marital obligation to redeem Ruth as well uh, and to perpetuate Elimelech's line, which we read in our text. Now, we're not told why he refused the right to redeem. You know, uh, the only thing we can do is speculate, and I'm not going to do that um, because we don't know, other than the fact that uh, he says, no, I can't because 
um, it, it will be something that will impair his own inheritance. Uh, but the fact is, is that this frees Boaz to do what his heart really desires, and that is to redeem uh, Ruth. That brings us to the second part here as we take a look at verses 7 through 12. Which I guess I'm going to have you guys click the PowerPoint because I have no idea where the clicker is. It disappeared, so... You can go to the next one. Just realize that there. There we go. That's where we're supposed to be. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Maon. Uh, also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamor bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So as we step into verses 7 through 12, uh, we see the joy of a fulfilled promise. Because we know previously that Boaz promised to redeem Ruth if the closer kinsman redeemer refused to do so. And we just uh, read that he did. Uh, and uh, to seal this deal, as it were, you know, oftentimes, you know, we would say our word is our bond or we would seal a deal with a handshake, um, maybe with some type of written document. You'll notice a cultural thing here in the text. Uh, you know, the kinsman is declining to the right to redeem this, uh, and he does so by removing his sandal and giving it to the one who was willing to redeem. And this was, as it were, the seal of the deal, uh, this exchange and the, the giving of the sandal, uh, where he says, buy it for yourself. So he drew off his sandal. Uh, and in this point, he is communicating that the land as well as Ruth were Boaz's to redeem, uh, that the closer relative is giving up his right uh, to redeem uh, because, as we said in the text, it would impair his own inheritance to take Ruth as his wife uh, and to perpetuate that line. And you'll notice, too, here, uh, and this is an interesting thing, is that, you know, Boaz set this whole thing up at the gate, which we know uh, culturally was the, the place of influence. That's where people of renown in a particular city would gather uh, to, to uh, meet, uh, to, you know, discuss business, uh, it, it was the place or the hub where uh, they would come together uh, for a transaction just like this. Uh, and so he has a, a confirmation of this transaction uh, by the elders and the people as witnesses. Uh, and in verse 10, we, we see uh, Boaz, you know, declaring his love for Ruth, that he is willing to redeem her uh, as well as everything that belongs to her uh, through Naomi. 
and through her, uh, her um, deceased husband, Malon. Uh, and you'll notice it says, you know, that he puts forth that they are witnesses and they all declare, we are witnesses. We, we see this, we've heard this, uh, and we declare along with you uh, that uh, we are witnesses to this. Uh, and so this is really, you know, the, the whole, you know, uh, laying out of uh, what we would consider a, a marriage. Um, you know, as we, we have um, marriages or as I've married people, uh, there are typically witnesses required. Uh, in order for that to, to take place. Now, unfortunately, Connecticut does not require there to be witnesses at a marriage. Uh, and the fact is, is that kind of robs the couple of the declaration of the fact that they are coming together as husband and wife. Uh, but those witnesses are, are, are there to give testimony so that if it was ever called into question, uh, they can say, no, I was there. I saw that, uh, you know, uh, that, two, that couple coming together. Uh, and so the, the crowd, as well as the elders of, of, of Bethlehem, um, are saying all of this, coming together. And you'll notice what the crowd does, because they, they start uh, speaking there uh, in verse 11, some things that I need to explain to you so you understand a little better. This is then all the people who were there uh, at the gate and the elders said, We are witness witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. So this reference to Rachel and Leah, if you remember back to your Old Testament uh, history, uh, that both Le Rachel and Leah were barren. Uh, and we know that Ruth is a widow without any children. So she is also barren. And so at this point, they're pronouncing a blessing upon her that just like God opened up the wombs of Rachel and Leah for them to bear children, that, they would, that God would do the same thing for Ruth at this point. Uh, we know that Leah was the mother of Judah, uh, from which Boaz and Naomi descend. Uh, and so not only is it a connection with their heritage, uh, but it's also a blessing uh, from the elders as well as the, the, the crowd that had gathered that we are you know, pronouncing this blessing upon you, that God would bless you, that God would be part of this uh, coming together. Uh, and we know that Rachel and Leah both uh, perpetuated the family of Jacob uh, as we, we take a look at our Old Testament. But then they go on to say uh, there, may you act worthily in Ephrathah uh, and be renowned in Bethlehem. Uh, and the, the point being here is that Elimelech and his family were Ephrathites, uh, as we pointed out the very first week from Bethlehem. Uh, and so they're saying act worthily in Ephrathah. Uh, and renown in Bethlehem. And the fact is, is they have no idea the magnitude of this blessing that they're pronouncing upon Boaz uh, and upon Ruth at this point. We do, because of the fact that we are living past Christ's coming. Uh, they would be looking forward to this, even uh, though they don't know in full uh, the magnitude of what this blessing would bring forth. We read from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Uh, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. And so this blessing that they are pronouncing upon Boaz and Ruth is actually something that we can look back and see uh, was fulfilled in Christ's coming. 
because Christ uh, would come to a little town of Bethlehem, uh, Bethlehem Ephrathah. Uh, and so uh, this blessing has uh, ramifications that they don't even realize at this point. Uh, and so it's a blessing for us to be able to look back and see the magnitude of that blessing upon Boaz and Ruth. And finally, it talks about, uh, in verse 12, And may your house be like the house of Perez, uh, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So the, the house of Perez uh, is uh, the descendants uh, that had settled in Bethlehem, uh, which Boaz was from. So this would have been Boaz's descendants um, and uh, his, his family, his heritage. And if you take a look and, and skip down to verses 18 through uh, 22, you can see this, uh, you know, heritage from the generations of Perez coming forth. It says, Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered Amimadad, Amimadad fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, and Salmon fathered Boaz. Okay, Boaz is in our text. Boaz fathered Obed, which we're going to find out in a moment. Uh, that God's going to bless Ruth's womb, and she is going to give birth to a son. And Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. That is young David, uh, who would end up becoming king uh, over all of Israel. Uh, And we know that Christ came from the the lineage of David. And so we see uh, that even this blessing in relation to uh, the house of Perez uh, would see its full uh, coming forth, Uh, and that being the line through which Christ would come. Which brings us to the end of our our text here, which is verses 13 through 22, but we're going to read just 13 through 17 since we just read these uh, last few verses. It says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. Uh, They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And so in these last few verses here, we see the joy of God's blessing and his providence working through uh, the life of not only Naomi, but Ruth and Boaz to prepare the way uh, for the coming Messiah. Uh, We see the blessing of redemption is seen uh, because Boaz and Ruth become husband and wife. Uh, That Boaz was was a man of his word, which we knew he was a worthy man. Uh, We also know that Ruth was was a worthy woman. Uh, And the two of them becoming man and wife in verse 13, uh, he came into her, and you'll notice that it says that the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. So God opened Ruth's womb. That even though she did not have any children with her, her um, deceased husband, Malon, uh, she did have the Lord bless her womb uh, because God's hand was in all of this. 
because he was preparing the way for Jesus Christ, God's son, uh, to have uh, the line through which he would come. And you'll notice in verse 16, another blessing is, is that giving Naomi the joy of being the nurse of her grandson. You know, and the, and the ladies even said, or the women said, uh, that the Lord has given Naomi a son. Uh, and so we see that God's blessing, you know, coming through uh, Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth, uh, as Boaz and Ruth come together. I want you to think for a moment about Naomi's journey. She went from banished to a foreign land, to bereft of husband and sons, to beloved by Ruth, to backtracking to her ancestral home, to bitter about her plight, to benefactor of directing Ruth, to blessed by God. It's a beautiful progression as we see the Lord working in Naomi's life. Uh, as she ended up in, in uh, leaving her people and her country to live in Moab, to find herself come full circle, to come home and to watch God bless her in a very special way. See, God's providential plan was unfolding right before her eyes. You know, and as you think about, you know, your life, you know, there are times when we can't see God's hand working. And sometimes we, we you know, go to the point of thinking that God isn't working. But just because we cannot see it does not mean it's not happening. Uh, and God can use the, the smallest of details to direct and to guide and to bring someone along uh, where they may otherwise end up fleeing away. And you'll notice there in verses 14 and 15, the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. So even the women acknowledge God's providential hand because the Lord needs to be blessed because he did right by Naomi. Uh, he did not leave her without a redeemer. As a matter of fact, he provided for Ruth a husband, a safe place, uh, a, a, the security she needed in having a home, which she did not have after leaving her own home, leaving her mother and father to come to Israel to begin with. And the, the women said, and may his name be renowned in Israel. Well, his name would be renowned in Israel because he would end up becoming the father uh, of Jesse uh, and uh, Jesse, the father of David, King David, the line through which Christ would come. Um, it says in verse 15, he shall be the re uh, to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. And so God did not leave Naomi bereft, but instead the Lord came alongside and restored, as it were, life to Naomi. Because we know that she did experience a lot of death. Her husband died, her sons died, uh, and she ended up, you know, in, in some sense, even, uh, you know, in her disobedience uh, and her bitterness, you know, uh, part of her, her spiritual life had died. Uh, and so God is bringing her and nourishing her in her old age by giving her something to, to refocus on, to give her something to bless the Lord for. Now, we don't need something, to, you know, tangible to bless the Lord. Because as those who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, we have a lot to be thankful for. And we should bless the Lord out of a heart of thankfulness. But it's always that much more sweeter when we do see God work in a way in which he did here in Naomi's life, in Ruth's life, 
and be able to bless the Lord as well. Because as you see from the text, it caused the, the, the women of the town to acknowledge it and to bless the Lord too. You'll notice there in the text it says, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, again, we have that relationship that we've seen from the very beginning of the book of Ruth, that uh, Ruth was willing to leave everything to be with her mother-in-law, Naomi, to be there by her side in her moment of need. Uh, and it says here that she, she loves you. And it goes on to say, who is more to you than seven sons. See, sons were considered, you know, a, the fruit of the womb that was through which the, the line would continue on uh, and the, the blessing that would come in having a son. And so the, the women of the town even recognize the relationship between Naomi and Ruth, that it's even more than if uh, she were to have seven sons to her name was the relationship she had with Ruth, that she had a daughter-in-law who loved her that much. Uh, she is the one who has given birth to this bundle of joy. Um, in verse 17, the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. Well, Obed actually means serving or worshiping. Uh, and we know that uh, Obed served a purpose because he would be the, uh, the continuation of the line through which Christ would come. But also Obed caused not only Ruth and Boaz and Naomi and the women of the town and the elders of Bethlehem to worship the Lord and to bless him because of what he had done. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting that the women chose a name that uh, entailed its two meanings being fulfilled in how uh, the people responded and the purpose in God's providential hand working through all of this because he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And finally this morning, I would be remiss if I did not take the account of Ruth, uh, the picture of the kinsman redeemer as Boaz redeems Ruth uh, and uh, everything uh, pertaining to her and her family and providing the security and the safety of a home for Ruth. Uh, who found herself displaced uh, without a husband, without children, to speak to Jesus, the eternal kinsman redeemer. Uh, because the uh, picture here is a foreshadow of what was yet to come. Because Jesus is the eternal hope of salvation. Jesus is the prince of peace, actually the prince of eternal peace with God. Jesus is the eternal love of the Father as Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the giver of eternal joy. And so we can see all four of these things as we celebrate Advent, as we consider Jesus Christ as the kinsman redeemer, is that he gives us not only hope, but peace and love and joy, all of which are eternal in nature. Because what they provide when we see Jesus as the kinsman redeemer, as we see him as our only Savior, and we put our faith and trust in him, is that he gives us eternal life, which is the hope that we have as believers in Jesus Christ, because we know that we are no longer at war with God, but we experience peace from the one who is the Prince of Peace, that we have the love of the Father, which gives us the ability to love others, as well as the joy of knowing that we will spend eternity with God forever. 
See, the Kingsman Redeemer is realized in Jesus. If you remember, the Kingsman Redeemer had to be a family member. Well, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He took on human flesh so that he could be, as it were, a family member, to be a, you know, a man and to be like us yet without sin. So he does fit uh, the um, uh, idea of being a family member as the Kingsman Redeemer because he took on human flesh. Jesus had the power to buy back family, or, or I should say the kinsman redeemer had the power to buy back family members out of slavery. Okay, well, what did Jesus Christ do? In offering himself as that once for all sacrifice, he, through our faith and trust in him, can uh, free us from our bondage to sin, to free us from being slaves to sin, breaking the power of sin and death. So there you see another parallel in the kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer had the power to buy back lost land. Well, what is Jesus doing for us? He's preparing a place for us. Uh, One that we one day will inhabit as we spend eternity with him, all because of Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. Boaz, as the kinsman redeemer, as we see it in our text, Ruth, who was unable to save herself, falls on the mercy and the kindness of Boaz to redeem her and to make her his wife. Well, think of that in relation to Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. So just like Ruth could not save herself, she needed a kinsman redeemer. She needed Boaz to come in and to intercede on her behalf, that that was a gift that he could give to her something that uh, we see in Christ uh, as we read Ephesians 2.8. But also in Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So as uh, Boaz shows mercy and kindness in redeeming Ruth, we can see just how Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption by his blood, because he offered himself, the forgivenesses of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And we sung the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Verse 4 says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. And so we can see this morning as we close out the book of Ruth, just the beautiful picture of what Boaz as the kinsman redeemer did on Ruth's behalf and even really Naomi's behalf because he redeemed her as well, uh, is the fact that Jesus Christ, who is that child of Bethlehem, born in a manger, Uh, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only one qualified to redeem us, to be our kinsman redeemer, because he took on human flesh, he lived a sinless life, and so is the only one worthy, the only one capable to redeem us and bring us and make us his own. Let's cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. Because when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we talk about being born again. 
because we know scripturally we are dead in our trespasses and sin and we need life breathed back into our spiritual bodies. And apart from Jesus Christ, that is an impossibility because we cannot save ourselves. No more than Ruth could save herself. She needed a kinsman redeemer. And so we need one as well. We hear the Christmas angels, the glad, great glad tidings tell, O oh, come to us, abide with us, O oh Lord, Emmanuel. Would you bow with me for a closing word of prayer? Gracious Father, Lord, we do thank you for the account of Ruth. We thank you for the, the beautiful uh, picture of what we see and hope being restored and peace being found and love being shown and joy realized because we know that those are all things that through your son, Jesus Christ, uh, we have. Uh, and we have them in, in such a way that they are eternal in nature because you are the eternal one. Uh, and your son is eternal. Uh, and he is the only one who can give us eternal life. Lord, I pray for each one here this morning that they would truly understand and realize the true meaning of Christmas, that it is Christ coming. It is Emmanuel, God with us. But that apart from Jesus Christ, that uh, we are lost, we are dead in our trespasses and sin, in need of a Redeemer, in need of a Savior. Uh, and may no one here today leave without knowing for sure that they belong to the Kinsman Redeemer, uh, that they've been made right with you for all of eternity, that they know what the hope of salvation is, what it means to be at peace with you, what it means to experience the, the pure and holy and righteous love that you have shown us through your son, Jesus Christ, and replaced uh, our uh, existence uh, with a joy inexpressible. Uh, and Lord, we do thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we